Anakana uh, Schofield from the Writers Fest and more. Listen to us on CITR 101.9, CITR.ca. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash CITR Arts Report. And on Twitter, CITR underscore Arts Report. you guys i missed you guys so much it's the arts report extra so we get a little extra time to hang out together and listen to some really great music and interviews so uh we will be podcasting this so mom and ray spoon and all the people listening at home don't worry Thank you for sticking around. We are continuing our Ray Spoon coverage. And uh, in the last hour in the Arts Report for October 10th, we heard uh, Ray Spoon read their first story out of First Spring Grass Fire, their first collection of stories called Billy Graham. And you can check that out on uh, our page at citr.ca. And now we are listening to You Like All the Parties from Love is a Hunter, which is the album that came out uh, as, and, and that uh, Ray Spoon was working on as First Spring Grass Fire was coming to fruition. And I really like this song because I think it connects well with First Spring Grass Fire about uh, finding your place in the world and who you want to show to the world. So I thought what I would do now is play you the full version of the Ray Spoon long edit, 25 minutes of them and I talking a little bit about the book, about music, and about turning to and from God and uh, their family. Now, uh, at the end of the half hour, I will replay the reading so that if you are just tuning in, you are welcome to stick around and listen to them read their very first story. But if you just heard it on the Arts Report, then you don't have to be uh, a repeat listener. All right. Well, uh, thank you again for Ray Spoon for uh, joining me earlier today. And here is Ray Spoon speaking about their process of writing for Spring Grassfire, available at Arsenal press and i will just note that at the end of the interview we talk a little bit about jeff burner so that is the jeff we are talking about uh, they are touring with him uh, and jeff has a, a book coming out next year that looks very very entertaining if uh the reading has anything to say about it all right enjoy uh just at first glance 
the timing and the titling of that album. Uh, I can't keep all of our secrets with this new release. Do the do the two messages complement each other? Um, yeah, I think so. Most of the book I wrote before I wrote that album, and I actually wrote another, this is an album that goes with this book, that goes with a documentary that's coming out mm-hmm. about me by the NFB, so those like kind of predated that album, which is actually like about a different like kind of time period, so. Okay. Yeah, I think it is like all a bit, and then, you know, films take a long time, so. <laughs> um, so that came out actually before, um, it's confusing, but yeah, so it's like, I did kind of start working more with like fiction and then weaving it with like autobiographical stuff in my music and then yeah but mainly it was this documentary that really started it all (laughs) so i i wanted to um talk a little bit about developing a song or an album and compare that with your experiences with developing a short story you know or the the collection Mm -hmm. and I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about what that process, like what's similar and what's different, um, how you choose the personal autobiographical elements and how you choose the kind of fiction elements and weave those together. Yeah. Um, like for writing, I guess like I've been writing albums, my first album came out almost 10 years ago, like the first full length. So I've obviously been doing that for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's like something I'm a, like obviously a bit more comfortable doing is writing albums of music but that's like there's a lot of people that work on an album of music you know usually not everyone's but you know you have musicians and you have like an engineer and I have a co-producer I usually work with and then someone masters it and you know and there's like a label and so for that like with Arsenal it's just like me and and their staff like me as an editor and like the publisher so it was like a lot more like you know just me (laughs) and them (laughs) so um yeah i don't know i mean like with writing music obviously like writing songs that are like a lot shorter like the amount of like the words in them so i think that's like what drew me to them originally um because because they because they're they were less you could get them done and like produced and here i have a song faster yeah yeah, and also just being like a bit itinerant. Like obviously, I was on I was on tour for a lot of years. Sometimes I didn't live anywhere. I would like continually, I don't know, lose all my stuff. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. so, it's like more <laughs> suited my lifestyle. <laughs> oh, so, like sitting down and writing, right? Lifestyles of the the rich and the famous. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's yeah Canadian musicians, right? Totally rich and famous. That's oh yeah, so glamorous. I mean, if you make a living in Canada, off this you're rich, right? So yeah. I'm really rich. Yeah, I barely worked any job, so I'm getting away with something. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, I think we yeah we all wish we could express ourselves and then have people be like, that's awesome. Here's some money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so, so do you find then that the book was a more I don't know if personal is the right word, but maybe a more intimate experience because it was kind of you and your your thoughts um, more from beginning to finish? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, there was like this documentary and, and what happened with the book is it started out as like sort of started out as a memoir. Like basically I had to like describe to this filmmaker I'm working with like what my childhood was. So I wrote 10 stories, you know, and they were just like with the intention of just for the film. Yeah, and then I got, like, more... And I wrote, in like, sort of an anthology that Arsenal put out, and they kind of... I had written in my bio that I was working on a book just because I was like, well, might as well. Um, so, and then, you know, and then they were actually like, oh, how's your book going? And I was like, oh, 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, I guess I'll, so. I guess like I always had like a public thought in mind. Like it was always about like how I was going to represent something in public because it was supposed to be you know like this is kind of what I grew up around. So and then kind of like ended up writing more stories and decided to go with like the fiction instead of like the straight up memoir. The thing is, with, you know, nonfiction is people can just lie to you. So I think it's nicer to call something fiction and then have room change names, not offend people, you know? So, like, I like the room that that gives me. You have, like, did this happen, didn't this happen? Because that's, like, a lot of what memory is, Mm -hmm. you know? You have the freedom to choose symbols that maybe, uh, you know, reflect your actual emotions of, of, of similar situations that you were in. But then you get to kind of pick your perfect whatever it, you know, crystallizes it for you. Yeah, exactly. So I, f- I would argue a lot of people who are like nonfiction storytellers might also just be lying <laughs> and doing the same thing. So, you know. <laughs> Race food exclusive. Nonfiction storytellers are liars. Well, they're exaggerating. Ah, Everyone's okay. exaggerating. Everybody exaggerates their own narrative, right? So, of course. you know what I mean? The stories we tell ourselves, so. We're all centers of our own stories, too, right? Exactly. So, yeah, but I think it's nice to just, like, I just, you know, at some point was like, this is kind of intense. I'm going to take the pressure off and just have room to move. And so I'm not being, trying, you know, trying to be too true to, like, what actually happened because sometimes that's hard to even remember, you know. (laughs) So I'm glad I kind of went with that. And that might actually be how I write now on fiction is good. Um, Obviously, it's close to my own experience. Are there any stories that cut really close or any stories that really swerve far from historical events? Um, I don't know. I'd say it was like kind of, not half and half, but like through all of them there's changes and through all of them they're close, you know, so. Kind of even keeled. Yeah. Balanced. Okay, good. I mean, when my documentary comes out, it will become apparent. Like, obviously that's like different, so. But actually some of the stories are in my documentary, so it's like, I don't know. I kind of just like the idea of having a book be fiction, have it be fluid, because in the same way I think albums, like you can write a song about something or someone, but it doesn't, it's not them, you know? <laughs> it's like an interpretation, right? So, Are you trying to represent an experience as a, you know, an entry point into like a different type of, of story of growing up? A lot of the stories seem almost in a way stereotypical growing up stories, you know, dark basements, going to camp, first love, but through this filter of growing up trans growing up pentecostal so like with the trans thing is like i kind of wanted to keep because the thing is when you're growing up you don't know you're trans Mm -hmm. or like and also i feel like some people could read this and they could be cisgender and they could have just had a problem with how they're being treated you know Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. so it's like to mix together the queer experience with the gender experience because i feel like a lot of like heterosexual cis people could find moments in this book that they would identify with because let's face it, sexism is stupid. So, you know, like anybody who's like growing up in any kind of gendered situation might have at some point. So yeah, and then trying to not, I think, write um, like a reverse meanings into things. Like you do, obviously, but not to be like too heavy handed. Mm -hmm. Not to be like, oh, you know, because there's this sort of thing with being trans or queer, you know, like that, like you could almost make like a comedy, like Saturday Night Live comedy out of it. Like the stereotype of, I was always different. And I don't know, I think like as you grow up, where you discover you're different, but you don't understand why. And so, like, yeah, to kind of represent it from looking out that way, you know? I think it comes across in the book as well um, in terms of where the uh, protagonist is in their development. 
yeah. and the kind of the, the, the voice that's there. I'm, I'm interested in, um, and if there's been any responses to the collection that have been particularly surprising or, or moving um, that have, you know, added something to the experience of writing and, and publishing the book. Um, I mean, like, every time I read, there's, like, someone in the crowd who's, like, ex-evangelical, or maybe, see, actually, I don't, I think usually if people are queer, they move to, like, more of, like, a Unitarian church, so they'd be, like, less evangelical. Anyway, not to be down on evangelical Christians, I'm sure there's nice ones, but <laughs> I'm just trying to not have a prejudice. You know, like, there's obviously like, queer people who are still Christian who might have grown up in an evangelical home, and those would be, like, two very different things, maybe. Like, what, you know, so, but yeah, like, the kind of friends of mine who grew up are like nobody writes about this they basically had not heard or like in the queer community often we're talking about just being queer now and we talk about like this past sucked but then there's maybe not as much of an engagement with like exactly different experiences so i just think there's like a lot of room for you know there's obviously like a whole bunch of different backgrounds like queer people come from all backgrounds so you know um but yeah so it's like but it's interesting to like connect people i didn't necessarily know came from the same one as me because you don't talk about it, right? It's not really a favor to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that kind of brings that can kind of bring things down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know. So, a lot of the characters have external situations that don't mesh well with their internal situations. They're conflicted somehow. Um, I mean, I think I'm pretty fascinated with like how far people will go to do what they think they're supposed to do. And so, growing up Christian, that would be like a very strong theme. Where you're like, we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to do that, and then how far people are from that, actually, as people. You know, how how long people will stay in marriages how because they have to. Mm-hmm. You know, or how long people will be Christians, even though it doesn't make any sense to anything else they want to do, you know? That sort of, like, internal conflict, I think, is pretty fascinating. And then the point where things break is mm-hmm. really fascinating to me, too. So, yeah, I think that that's something I was like trying to incorporate but also you know like anybody who's going to be dogmatic is going to be a hypocrite right yeah so like I think that's really interesting too like the way people can lie to themselves or like how entire churches could lie to themselves or how people you know and also how like cycles of abuse happen and people get protected by the you know not the victims actually the perpetrators are protected by ignorance and and people not wanting to see things so like I think that's going to be an overarching theme in my work it's just like how do things carry on as they do you know Mm-hmm. There's a, a a certain sympathy, or maybe even just empathy, with people who are sticking to those dogmas, even though it's hurting them and and um, the protagonist. And I'm assuming you. Where do you find that kind of that empathy, that understanding? I actually like never went to university, and I just started playing music right away. But um, like a lot of my family is working class. A lot of my family are Christians. A lot of my family. And don't have, like, the same... There's sort of, like... I sometimes hear things like, well, why would people work on the oil rigs? Or, like, why would you be a logger? Or, you know, like, all these kind of things where you're like, but they just are, like, you know? (laughs) You have this sort of, like, when the academic kind of perspective could pick something apart. Or or it's easy to, you know, sit in Montreal and be queer and be like, well, why don't you just leave your husband if you're gay? Or, you know, like, these kind of sort of... I don't know. And I just think that life is complicated. Mm-hmm. Just as to be queer in Montreal, but grew up in Calgary, you're still from Calgary. You know, I'm not from Montreal. I never will be. <laughs> you know, so and like, how do those pieces of identity, like, you know, because sometimes people often you just have like a part of your identity accentuated. You know, so 
it's like, well, maybe you're queer, maybe you're working class, you know, or, you know, maybe you're queer, but you're not white, you know, so, but like all these things are kind of homogenized and it's fine in like representation. So I just find that sort of like the empathy with a character just, I don't know, I think you can't really like look at someone how, how, how most people are behaving and like, if you condemn how they're behaving, then you're not looking close enough, you know, a lot of the time. I mean, I think people do stupid things, but at most of the time there's like a reason why you know things happen not like a fatalistic reason but like there's some sort of like systemic cycle happening or mm-hmm. you know you can be angry at your mother for not leaving your father but if you don't know feminism like very well then you would be like probably focusing your anger on her rather than him you know so mm-hmm. i don't know i'm kind of fascinated with those kind of like how that stuff works like thinking your way out of evangelical christian church is like really mull it over <laughs> like what are these people doing Well, it's a high-level concept, to, especially for a child, uh, also to separate spirituality from religion. Yeah, it's true. So Mm -hmm. I think people either believe in God or they don't. But Mm -hmm. there's probably a lot of people like me who are atheists just because they feel like they've had enough time with God. (laughs) You're like, me and God are fine. Uh, uh, We're good. We're good. But then is it... it I don't care. Do you... Do you... Would you consider yourself atheist then, but still, you still kind of seem to personify... It's God in that way. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we like, the dominant, you know, kind of culture in Canada would be, like, a waspy. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody personifies good. Like, you know, yeah. it's like whatever kind of background you have, you would be exposed to Christianity, right? So it's almost like fashion in this country to do that, I guess. Like, you know, as, as like, a mainstream thing. I don't know. So it's, like, funny. So it's, like, how much can you do and not? But then maybe if there isn't a god, if you were raised with one, he would still be a character. And he would still be a man if you were raised with a male god, you know? So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's funny to, like, it's still there, but maybe it doesn't exist, you know? Was writing the book and participating in the film, how did that influence your latest album and the album upcoming? Like, how did the m- different media influence each other? When you're a songwriter, you can, like, remain rather cryptic for many years if you want. Like, you know, there's songwriters we don't really know a lot about what they think about anything, like Bob Dylan. (laughs) You know, like, they can just kind of, like, and if that's how they choose to represent themselves, that's fine. But, like, I think when you agree to do a documentary or something, you're kind of, like, letting some of it out. You know, you're, like, letting it in in, on, like, a more personal level, if that makes sense. So I think for me it was just, like, a threshold where I was, like, okay, I'm either going to continue just being a songwriter and not discuss this stuff mm-hmm. or I'm going to actually discuss it like I, I just believe in doing things well <laughs> or like thoroughly you know I'm like I'm either going to do this or not do it and, and I was just like oh I'll write a dance pop album and then I realized I didn't actually feel like writing something it didn't mean much to me you know I don't actually dance so I was like oh maybe I'll write a dance pop album about grief and so I don't know I think like it's nice to have topics I think if you don't challenge yourself with your topics you're not going to have I don't know like for me it doesn't keep me engaged so I've kind of like become a bit more autobiographical about that album anyway and um yeah so I I think they do influence each other for sure like definitely like the book and the film and the album all like were made together and kind of entwined right who knows what my book would be like if I knew I'd never had to have a documentary come out or and like the album is written like a score like more like film music the one that's coming out in a year so um 
yeah, so it's, it's really interesting to get... Obviously, I don't want to, like, direct a film and write a book in, so it's nice to have someone else direct a film, because that's not what I do, so... But, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting when they're all out, how they interact with each other. The story... It, it moves forward generally, but kind of shifts and starts around uh, different incidents and time periods and ages. I'm wondering, is that in itself some sort of representation of, of growing up queer, where even your relationship to kind of the normal quote-unquote course of events is a little shifted or out of phase? Yeah. Um... I don't know. I think it's more like about writing... Like, when I write albums, I'll write... Like, if it was 12 songs, I would write nine. And then I would put them all out, and I would look at all the words. And then I would write the last three, tying them together. Interesting. <laughs> you know? So, for me, it's like I do like things that are tied together. Mm-hmm. You know, not so, obviously, but I definitely have been doing that with music. The last three albums I wrote were, like, very thematic, and so... Or, like laying it all out and be like what haven't I covered so I think with the stories I did actually lay them out and go like what haven't I covered and filled in the gaps quite a bit you know especially with the last ones I wrote which are some are like in the middle of the book the last stories I wrote so it wasn't like chronologically written you know you know I was very nervous writing this because I hadn't really written much since I always wanted to be a writer when I was a kid actually and then I kind of got you know a little bit out of it I guess or like whatever I just kind of got distracted by music music was a bit shinier and easier and and much more quick approval. <laughs> you know, you're just like, if you discover, you know, you're a nerd and you can sing and then people are like, all of a sudden you're not as much of a nerd or whatever, you're like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So you just start doing that a lot. <laughs> like the thing that I got the most feedback on the fastest. I got. But um, yeah, and I was like pretty self-conscious about writing at all because I've only been writing songs and grants um, for like 10 years or longer. So it was kind of like, okay, how am I going to do this? You know, so like very humbling to be you know, because in music I feel like I've been around for a while, people know who I am in this in Canada anyway, and so there's like a certain amount that's expected of me, but there's also a certain amount that's like given that I've already done mm-hmm. but to come out with a book, and also to already be a musician, it's like, you're like, well I hope this doesn't suck, or, you know, like you're just scared of like that, like anyone is of putting something out and having it, finding out you're not very good at it, or not even about being good, that maybe the message you wanted and it doesn't get across, or you know, so like the form I think is probably not very thought I mean it's like thought through in some way but another way I feel like it's not like something I've focused on too much I think you probably have to deal with people's expectations like not necessarily whether they're positive or negative expectations but they already know who you are and what you talk about I feel like yeah maybe um, part of that is okay if I write something close to my own experience because I feel like there has always been an interest in my transness in interviews and then sort of in my persona more than I ever gave out much information about it so something that's close to my experience would go over better than if I wrote a, like robots versus cowboys fictional fantasy story or something, you know? So That would be pretty sweet, though. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> I can do, like, you know, later when I'm resting on my literal laurels, then I can just <laughs> do whatever I want. Do you have any thoughts with the idea of being classified in that way, of saying, like, okay, this, this character is trans, so this is LGBTQ studies rather than just being yeah. fiction? I mean, I think, you know, when you're writing a book, LGBTQ studies is a great way to sell books. And so, you know, if you're queer, you're going to be in that. Like, it doesn't even matter if there's a queer character in the book. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and that's like a good marketing thing. Like any smart publisher, if I put out a book, would put it as that, right? Because mm-hmm. I think people would just be studying. And like, you know, so I think that that makes sense. Um, but, you know, it's, 
even if I wrote something that wasn't queer, it would still be queer, according to people. Um, you know, because you can't actually change your identity as a queer person. So I think, you know, for me, it's always been important to be, like, really proud of that. Like, I think being transgender is, like, I don't think it's a medical illness. I think it's a cool way to live. And if you, someone feels like it would make their life better, then that's great, you know? Yeah. Um, but I have, a, you know, not all my friends are queer. Not all my friends are exactly like me. You know, when I was touring younger, playing country music, I would just really go to the limits of where I wouldn't even see another known queer person for a long time. And, and I've always been kind of not... I've always been, like, curious about, like, how people relate besides being queer because, like, without homophobia or transphobia or sexism, then, like, the divide between queer people and people who aren't queer isn't actually that big, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I have a lot of friends who are, like, heterosexual, but I would say they're, like they're a queer the cultured and queer stuff mm-hmm. so yeah um i don't know it's important to me that they could read the book yeah. and not be like this is a really alienating book for me but you know i think if it alienated someone because they're homophobic then that's fine but if someone's not then it shouldn't you know yeah <laughs> so um yeah and i grew up with people who were you know who were allies who weren't queer and and, you know, but maybe they feel like they're odd i don't know there's like something about not fitting in being queer that can also, like, you know, appeal to someone who's not queer. Like, there's something relatable about it. Yeah. I think we all feel there's something about us that is... Even if they, even if we feel proud that it's special and it's unique and it's us and it's not, you know, strange or weird, at the same time, it, it sets us apart, and that can be very freeing, but it can also be scary. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think gender is like that. You know, like, mm-hmm. as a trans person, I don't believe I'm the only person with a gender but like it's a very attention grabbing gender <laughs> um, so but you know like I think that at some point any, everyone's probably had a moment where their gender was not like exactly you know because of sexism or whatever like there's going to be moments where you're not being treated exactly how you'd want because of only this thing that you know mm-hmm. so um, yeah I think it's something I try to stay aware of and like that helps my morale is to be like well everybody's kind of under this system you know and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily great having a like binary gender system so yeah we're in it we're in it together yeah exactly so i'm like i don't know like being trans i'm just like you know you're kind of socialized to think there's something wrong with you that you're not like fitting into a system but i'm like i think you know after many years i'm just like well there's something wrong with the system <laughs> you know and to like take that off of yourself is very relieving i don't it's like you never know what how you're being perceived that's the whole thing about being trans or also like being gender ambiguous that I literally do not know what people think I am. So, you know, until I find out. <laughs> like, I'm waiting in line for the plane. Like, I could be a little boy. I could be a man. I could be a middle-aged woman now. Like, I'm 32. So, like, they could be like, how's your family? They could think I had kids. They could think I was a kid. Like, I don't know. So it just makes it all, like, kind of ridiculous, this idea of, like, seeing someone and perceiving them, right? <laughs> it makes it an adventure. Yeah, it's sort of like an adventure, adventure until... I always said fun until it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you consider yourself uh, still like a musician who's written a book, or are you starting to kind of get comfortable with the term author as well? Um, I think I'm getting comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. It's like something I've decided kind of like I was waiting until the book came out to decide if I wrote more, and I've already kind of, you know, the thing is I didn't really bank on like people having anthologies, or so I've already been like kind of requested. So I've written like two articles since the book, came, you know, I finished the book and so I think I'll like continue on with it. 
Is there anything else authorial coming up for you in Vancouver? Yeah, oh, gender failure. Ivan Coyote and I will probably be coming to Vancouver in, on March 1st, I think it is. Okay. So we're going to be doing, we have a show called Gender Failure that's like, we're both doing stories and we're both doing music. That story about the bathing suit uh, <laughs> reminded me of a story uh, about getting to pass as a boy because of the bathing suit that uh, he had as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been performing for years with Ivan, so... You know, watching Ivan perform is a really great way to learn how to read stories. Yeah, it's... <laughs> like oh, standing yeah. Standing on stage next to Ivan and then looking at the crowd, so... Excellent, excellent reader, which is... It's funny because it's not something that all authors can do. Actually, um, Ivan sets, like, a high bar for entertainment and yeah. writing. So, you know, for me, that was, like, my main author friend so and the person that I'm used to being on stage with so it's just like you know you gotta hit the ground running because <laughs> I think it's been great so co-coaching each other on stuff so yeah yeah like music so Ivan plays music in their next show too so it's kind of like we're both mentoring each other in this oh way. that's awesome so yeah it's pretty fun I noticed um I, I thought that um having Jeff you guys have, have worked together for a long time as well well, right, and uh, you know, having Jeff on stage, his you know his music's quite different, but at the same time, it has this kind of uh, I don't know. There's a similar tone, I guess, in this combination of serious issues and humor. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yeah, you know, totally. The- I mean, I also grew up touring. Those are the two people I mainly grew up touring with. Like Jeff, I've been touring with since I was like 22 or something, you know. So, and he's you know. Both Jeff and Ivan have taught me a lot about performing, so definitely we've probably all influenced each other. (laughs) All right, and that brings us to the end of Arts Extra. I do not want to eat into Sam Squatch's hideaway, so... You are welcome to download the podcast from earlier today, uh, which should be up in a day or two. And uh, you can listen to the reading from Ray Spoon, uh, Billy Graham. Thank you so much for sticking around for the Arts Extra. Uh, We will be uh, back again next week with a whole new slew of guests as well as uh, the UBC Arts Report for an extra edition. And we talk about uh, a play with Ryan Beale at UBC Theatre Alumni, uh, which is playing locally. Okay. Well, I will uh, leave you with uh, Ocean Blue by Ray Spoon, whose first book is 